0: Welcome to Ordinary Lives, where we hear about the extraordinary things happening in and through ordinary people. Hello, everyone. I'm back on Ordinary Lives. Today I'm interviewing Myron Palmer. Good morning, Myron Palmer. Morning, Jeff. <laughs> I can hear the joy in your voice as we talk this morning. Um, Myron, we're talking together because I want to go back. To something that happened on October 27th of 2019, a little over two years ago. Um, I'm wondering if you could just tell me and everybody else what happened on that fateful day, the Sunday, as I remember.
1: Sunday it was, yeah. It was a, a date kind of like today in the weather. Uh, you know, we'd gotten a break from the cold, and it was warm enough to ride a motorcycle, and I was putzing in the garage, and Wendy. Was gone to see her dad in Florida.
0: That's your wife, Wendy. Shout out to Wendy.
1: (laughs) And uh, she was there with her sister. Uh, Her dad had a heart attack and ended up in the hospital, Uh, Zephyr Hills, Florida. And uh, she had flown out a couple days prior. And uh, so we were having some family struggles. uh, And then Claire, her dad, had the heart attack. Mm. And... I just felt that my emotional wagon was pretty full, and instead of reaching out and talking with someone or afraid to put my heart on my sleeve, I thought, you know, what better way to uh, get out some aggression than to hop on a modified dirt bike.
0: (laughs) Seems like the natural response for all those people (laughs) who are wondering if that's what you should do. no (laughs) (laughs) don't do that okay so you took your dirt bike out and you went for a ride what happened
1: yeah you know um always safety cautious total riding gear from head to toe and um was just out tearing it up and having a good time and um got a little wayward uh there's kind of a a common phrase out there don't get in the bottle if you get in the throttle And I bumped into a couple boneheads, and I'd had a couple of adult beverages, and it was getting toward dark. And I was looking outside, and I was like, yeah, I got to get going, you know. And uh, the bike had proper lighting and such. And so I was heading out of town and had this liquid courage, as some folks know the phrase. And I was coming out of fourth gear, and the speedometer was hitting about 55-plus. Still had a couple gears to go, and I was going too fast for a left-handed curve, and I couldn't maneuver it, and I sideswiped the tree at roughly 61 miles an hour, as big as round as the Volkswagen Beetle, I guess you could say. Wow. And uh, the impact um, did some damage. Yeah. So...
0: Do you remember anything about hitting the tree?
1: The only thing I remember was looking down at the odometer and seeing 61 miles an hour and looking up and then seeing the tree and then I blacked out.
0: Hmm. So what's the first thing you remember?
1: I remember being drug off the road uh, from west to east, and I was northbound, being cussed out by some good old boy from Ionia County. Uh, His words were... It's a good thing I was paying attention because I would have ran your dumb bleep over.
0: So some guy found you on the road.
1: Yeah, unconscious.
0: Really? Do you have any idea how long you were there before he found you?
1: No. Hmm. I remember him asking me, where's your helmet? And I reached up to pat my head and the helmet was gone. So what do you have any
0: sense of at that moment? what your what was going through your mind? Can you remember that? Um, I mean, you were conscious. What were you thinking? Like, oh, I'll stand up and shake this off. No big deal.
1: Yeah, bet until I looked down past my waistline and saw that the blue jeans uh, were half red. And that was on the right side that was introduced to the tree at 61 miles an hour. Uh, They weren't lacerated, torn. Uh, The only thing I lost from the impact on clothing was the helmet.
2: Mm. Yeah
0: so the paramedics arrive. do you remember that
1: yeah you know there'd been a couple looky-loos passerbys and i was answering some questions and i was setting up right and then the paramedics showed up and they're telling me what to do and i'm being a little reluctant and um, i was setting up and just my mind was racing you know i just uh, as I said, the jeans weren't cut or lacerated or anything, but, but the whole right pant leg was just saturated in blood to the point to where you could just see it keep coming to the surface.
0: Yeah, so at this point, you didn't know what was wrong yet.
1: No, you know, and, and uh, I didn't try to stand up or anything. The, the folks that had stopped had uh, kept me down on the ground. And then the paramedics uh, started cutting my pants off, and I look up and over my left shoulder and there was trooper garwood state policeman
0: Mm. yes and what did he say
1: he goes uh what he say? he said do you know what what has happened to you and i said yeah more ways than one Mm. and he looked at me kind of puzzled and i said you know i said i did this all on my own this this is me I said, but I've pissed away so much. What in the
0: world were you talking about? People get into accidents all the time. Not saying it's good. I mean, obviously, we're trying to avoid them. (laughs) (laughs) But you meant more than that, it sounds like, because you not only had an accident, but you felt like you had really, like you'd really made a big mistake.
1: Yeah, I made a huge mistake. You know, um, I guess for this time frame of life, or society that we're in to retire at the age of fifty-five um is kind of unheard of, right? Yeah. And I was two months out from retirement. You gotta work in order to retire. You yeah. know, you gotta gain those those tally marks, so to speak, right? And uh not knowing at that current moment how busted up I was, but paying attention to the trooper and answering his questions, and then seeing the puzzled look on his face, along with the two paramedics, uh, was—I don't you know—they were like, "What's wrong with this guy?" You know, they knew the severity of my injuries, um, but I just—I just seemed to keep focusing on my plans of my new season of life coming up.
0: Right, so you were worried not simply about whatever had happened to you, what was underneath those blue jeans. Yeah. You were concerned about, I've got two months into retirement. If I can't work, retirement's off. Yeah. Huge. So what happened then? You were taken to the hospital.
1: So, taken to the hospital. Um, you know, I was being totally compliant. I owned the accident, everything else. Um, they were just amazed at uh, how coherent cooperative I was even when when they rushed me into the emergency room at Blodgett and um, they took a, a blood sample for a BAC blood ha- blood alcohol content um, it was a touch high and rushed into trauma MRI uh, cat scan you know because I was a motorcycle accident victim and yeah you know just um wasn't that, that I was in a downward spiral, but it seemed like I was just in this great abyss of my life was on pause, and I was living in that moment.
2: Yeah, you Things know, like slowed the big down. pause button. Yeah.
1: And you know, I wasn't 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 going forward, or wasn't going backwards either. It was just you know, you're in that day almost.
0: Yeah. So, at what point does your wife find out? Because she's in oh Florida. Gosh.
1: She's, yeah, obviously, so, she's not there. <laughs> so, how do you, how do you humble yourself or tuck your tail between your legs, call your wife, who was some 20 hours away, caring for her father, yeah. who's in the hospital. From a heart attack. From a heart attack. Yeah. So are you going to break your wife's heart and call her? Because instead of being 54, you were being 14. Mm -hmm. And so, gosh, what day was that? That was a Saturday. So I finally called her uh, Tuesday, I believe it was.
0: So you've been in the hospital for three days by this point. Yeah. And she had no idea what was going on.
1: Absolutely none. Oh,
0: my word.
1: Absolutely. I was advised not to call and tell her. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay.
2: Because
1: the doctors, they knew, you know, because I told them what the current family conditions or circumstances. And they're like, now's not the time to call her. I see. Okay. I'm like, okay. All right. Doing what I'm told. Right. (laughs) It's like, where am I going to go? Right? Yeah. I'm in the trauma unit.
0: Yeah. Right. She's going to find out. So she found out. You called her.
1: Yeah. Um, I told her it wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, oh, that's... It wasn't bad. What does that mean? You were still alive? Yeah. Had a breath in me, brother. Yeah, not not laughing about it. This oh, is so no.
1: serious, but um, I can imagine that conversation with your wife. Honey, it's not bad. It's not bad, but I need a surgery, and it's suggested by the doctors that you be here. And... She's like, okay. And uh, so I'd had a couple visitors uh, prior to that uh, friends, family. Um, Yeah, you know, it was just, I was kind of imploding inside.
0: What was going on as you were thinking about this? Obviously, from Sunday then to Tuesday, you were mulling this over. All it's not like you can put a pause on what was going on in your mind. What were you thinking about as you're anticipating this conversation with your wife? Dear honey, I lost control, ran into a tree, and I was I was under the influence while I did it. And I don't know what's going to happen with my retirement. I've got two months to go.
1: Not so much retirement, but now, you know, being a couple days out from the accident, seeing the laundry list of, of what was broke on the inside of me. I see. And already went through... A surgery prior to.
0: So what was wrong with you? Just a short list. What was wrong? What did you discover? From the pant leg, you couldn't see what was going on, too?
1: So when when I smacked the right side of my body off the tree, uh, it lacerated the front of my right leg um, halfway down between your belt and your kneecap, so six to eight inches above the kneecap to four inches below the kneecap. The medical term is called degloving, and it was laid open literally from center to left to right, each side of the leg. Um, For the outdoors people, you know, it's like taking the hide off a deer. Oh, my. So there was nothing but muscle there.
0: Everyone is seeing it very clearly now, Myron. Very good description. Yeah,
1: thanks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So they had stitched that back up. That was the first surgery I had, but from the impact that forced... My uh, leg up into my hip socket, shattering my hip socket, uh, hip, and part of my right pelvic floor. Wow. A uh, couple broken ribs, uh, concussion so bad I had speech impediment, and my left eye was a bit derped. Wow. Um, still have the discoloration of the pigment on the uh, upper left side of my forehead. And. Ironically, when they scanned me, um, they found two spots on my left lung. Really? To add insult to injury. Huh. So uh, they called in, the ER doctor on the floor that night had called in an orthopedic surgeon and not one that we all commonly know. And um, the ER doctor said, if anybody's going to fix you, it's going to be this guy. Hmm. Well, I was 80% chance of losing my right leg from
2: the pocket wow.
1: down. Wow. So, um, yeah, that's kind of it of the injuries.
0: So there you were thinking about this for three days. You talk to your wife, you tell her, it's not that bad, honey, just need a surgery. Yeah. Why didn't you tell her the truth?
1: What part of truth was there? Um, you know, I told her that I'd had the accident. I left out the details until we were face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, you know, I was just imploding inside. Because um, I knew it was going to break my wife's heart.
2: Yeah.
0: What what part? That you had an accident? I mean, those things happen. That's why they're called accidents, right? Because right, nobody but, plans on them.
1: But But any grown man who loves his wife respectfully... Is always fearful of doing some stupid thing that's going to break his wife's heart to where yeah. she's going to think and look differently upon him.
0: Yeah, and that's what you feared.
1: Yeah, huge. You know, what I mean, because I was always getting banged up, scraped up, right? Yeah. Me and the two boys. So I have two sons, uh, 22 and soon to be 25. I mean, we kind of like had a frequent pass to Blodgett Hospital because <laughs> we were always tearing it up, right? Sure. A few stitches here, a broken finger or wrist here and there, you know. I remember they would often say when we'd when we'd pop in there, it was like, "Oh, who we seen today?" Yeah. You know, because it was one of the three Palmers. So, um, yeah, you know, I look back on it now. Um, I owned the accident from. The moment after always will, but it was one of the best things that ever happened in my life.
0: Now, that's Truly. an inter- Now that's an interesting thing to say. That wouldn't be the conclusion that I'm guessing a lot of people would suspect. It would be more like, oh, I was really stupid, shouldn't have done that, big mistake. But for you, it was the best thing that ever happened to you. Why is one that? One of the best things. Okay, one of, okay sorry. Not to put it (laughs) in its own place, but one of the best. It's in the group of the best things. Yes. Why is that? That's surprising. Um,
1: You know, because I've had all these plans, you know, I had a handful of plans for my retirement and what I was going to do and what we were going to do and how I was going to do it. And, you know, over the years, the years prior, um, I toyed with God's forgiveness. You know, I often Mm. say, and it's part of the little, the story, that, you know, he kind of kept me on a little bit of a, a, a tether, you know.
2: Mm.
1: Um, Myron get, would get a little carried away or overstimulated, and there'd be that little tether pulling back. Come on back, son. Mm. You know, come on back. And my plans weren't his plans. And because I broke the rule of no bottle if you're going to get in the throttle. He, he turned me loose to my earthly ways. Yeah. And it was it was a great wake up.
0: So you could look back at that point on your life and say, I can see how I walked up to the line a number of times but never
2: crossed it.
1: Yeah, huge. Yeah. Many times. Many, many times.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
1: You know, that's part of having a, a an addictive behavior and wanting to belong to something that... Is more than yourself. Yeah. You know, a people pleaser.
0: Right. Type. So this is the first time that you've mentioned in this interview addiction. Yeah. So where did that addiction come from? You're talking about addiction to alcohol. Where did that come from?
1: Well, you know, uh, they often say you act like the pack you run with. And I've come to learn that you're a product of your environment. Mm -hmm. So back in the 70s, um, you know, it was common to go to the feed store with a beer in the council. It was common to go to the hardware. Um, when you're raised in it, you don't really know any different. Mm. You know, we, uh, me and my siblings weren't raised in the church. Uh, my mom was raised strict Catholic in the next county over. Mm. Uh, her father was... A... The
0: county that shall not be named called Ionia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> go to the east and uh uh father was german irish german so in a strong catholic so i'm sure many people are going oh all right it's where you got your red hair
0: but also a few other things
1: yeah a few other things so um you know when you when you're raised in it and you run with it you don't know that it's not the norm i see so, you know, and, and you get in that feel-good moment or when life throws something at you, it's easier to medicate than it is to put your heart on your sleeve and, and seek help yeah. or advice.
0: So that history, that, that time when you were young, taught you alcohol's fine. Use it wherever you want. Mm-hmm. It's a good part of life, ordinary part of life. You've been getting drunk is fine. But don't rely upon other people if you've got problems.
1: Yeah, because you you just didn't do that. Yeah. It just made you less of a person, especially a man, you know, male gender. doesn't matter if you're 14 or 41.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So at some point you became a believer in Christ.
1: Yeah. Uh, So I'd met Wendy. Shout
0: out to Wendy again.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: You can't see this, but he's smiling from ear to ear.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My cute little Hungarian. Um, So I would met Wendy, and uh, she was attending uh, North Kent Presbytery Church. And uh, they were a Presbytery USA church. And I just felt that I couldn't propose to her unless I was baptized. Oh, yeah. Now, growing up, I used Iwana as an escape goat to get out of the house. Yeah, because life was tough at home. Yeah, life was really tough. You know, uh, we lived on a small self-supported farm where everything you grew in the garden, five-acre garden, or raised out back at the barns got slaughtered, canned, or froze. Mm. And, um, yeah, you know, just Wednesday, Alana was an escape goat to where people who were truly interested in me for who I was, not what I was. I see. You know, uh, so that would have been probably 1979, I guess, for a timeline. Uh, You're talking about Awana's? Awana, yeah. Yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Parker. Um, I didn't know it then, and I actually didn't really see it until probably shortly after the accident, but a seed was planted then. Really? Yeah.
2: Wow. Thankful Sweet, for the dear parkers. Purple. Oh yeah. my
1: stars! Yeah. Just wonderful people. To the day, I uh, when I cycle with a friend of mine, we go by their house, and, and uh, I see him out. You know, I see Mr. Parker outside. You know, and uh, hey, Mr. Parker, hi, Myron. You mm-hmm. know, and just
0: keep right on going. It's amazing you've lived in a community. That's I'm saying amazing. So I
2: <laughs> I've lived <laughs> in like six
0: places, probably more than that as an adult. So to be in a place long enough where the same people who cared for you when you were a child are still there today, that's yeah. amazing to me.
1: Yeah. You know, I've had some sweet driveway conversations with him. It's just it's just unbelievable.
0: Hmm. I
1: mean, just Yeah. It's
0: So you went to Iwanas to escape home. Yeah. And then from home you met
1: Wendy. Yep, so back, back to meeting my, my lovely wife. So I got baptized at the age of 27. Um, we were engaged, married a short time after, um, members of North Kent. When, when, when you were baptized, was that a matter of a convenience? Like, did you think,
0: you know, I want to marry her, so I might as well get baptized? Or did mm-hmm. you think, like, something has changed in me? I, I feel like this is not just about her, it's about me.
1: It. It was about us, and um, it wasn't my thoughts. I can say now I was nudged to do that because it wouldn't have been right otherwise. I see. You know, I had some good friends um, there at North Kent. Yeah, it just seemed to be the right thing to do. You know, I look back at it now, and as we talk about it, you know, it gives me goosebumps that, you know, just all part of his plan for my life and yeah, I I don't own a universe, so how can I forecast tomorrow? Yeah, you know.
0: So you weren't even sure what was going on necessarily. It just seemed like the right thing to do at the right time. thing
1: to do. You know, and there were some good folks around me, and people were just genuine, and it was something that I hadn't experienced before.
0: So you get married to your wife, but you're still drinking.
1: Yeah, you know. Um, it wasn't the the everyday fall down drunk type thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, three or four um, at the end of the day. Uh, some days five, six. Yeah. Some weekends more. Maybe not most weekends, but just that. That's just what it was. You know, it was part of that yeah. that growing growing up.
0: Does that seem strange to her?
1: I don't know. I can't answer that.
0: Yeah. But it didn't seem strange to you.
1: No, it was the norm. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did you ever have... So thinking about then, we're really talking about a pretty significant time of life from the time you got married to the time of the accident in 2019. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a point where you thought, yeah, addiction? Because that's the word you used earlier. But somehow the thought that this is an addiction had to develop. Because you're talking about as a child, young person, Mm -hmm. this is just an ordinary thing of life i mean everybody does this and then at some point you come to the point of saying oh i think i have addiction so how did that develop
1: but the addictive behavior you know adrenaline or consumption so but there were days weeks months to where there would be no consuming and you know nobody looked at me and went oh On the wagon, huh? Yeah. You know, I mean, that was just my flippant behavior, you know, happy-go-lucky and help you help me type of thing. Um, It was like when when life would throw you that curveball and you got hit by it, so then you medicated.
0: I see. So it wasn't something you needed day to day. It was something you needed when things went wrong.
1: Yeah, and it was... Also, it was like taking that daily vitamin, though.
0: Oh, I see. So it would be every day, but it wasn't because you said in your mind, I need it every day. Correct. It was, this is just life.
1: This is life. This is what we do. This is what, you know.
0: Did you ever have a moment in those years where you thought, I'm just going to quit? This no, isn't good.
1: No. No, I don't believe so. No. I would often told myself that... Um, because I would see some of my addictive behavior in some of my friends. Oh, I see. Yeah. You know, so you'd kind of point the finger, right?
0: Yeah. And uh, you well, can identify that's bad for them.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but you were doing the same thing and you're like, but, eh, it never occurred to you.
1: Eh. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. And I'd often told myself that, you know, was gonna. there were three things that it would take for me to totally stop uh, an accident hmm. uh someone telling me giving me an ultimatum or uh eventually hurting someone else besides myself oh yeah so being in a
0: car accident hurting somebody else
1: yeah not necessarily a car i mean you know that's just the common thing but you know you could you know, it could be cutting wood, it could be ATVs, it could be building something, or,
0: you yeah. know. So when you are in the hospital in those three days, where... Be- third day and counting. Okay, so third day and counting. <laughs> so I'm thinking about, yeah, I know, because it goes much longer than that. Yeah. But in between the accident and talking to your wife, do you start thinking about those three things that you said, if these, these if one of these three things happens, I'm going to know this is a problem. One of the three happened.
1: Yeah, you know, one of the three things did happen, and uh, I was thankful and remorseful that it was just me, and um, because, gosh, how does one live with themselves knowing that they took someone else's loved one? Yeah. Because they just did some asinine thing that they knew when they picked up and walked out or left, they shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah, it just, I'm glad it happened the way it did.
2: Wow. So
1: how long were you in the hospital? Seven days. Seven days. In the trauma unit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what happened in those seven days? So obviously your wife shows up. I don't want to, we want to be careful talking about your wife's part in this because she's not here being interviewed. But... Um, so your wife shows up, other people are there. What happens in the inside of you as those seven days go past? Because, you know, there have been a lot of people who have been in accidents. And after the accident is over and sort of the cloud is blown over, they're like, I, I just dodged one. I'm going to go back to where I was.
1: But that's not what you did. No, no. Nope. Um, yeah, you know, I was remorseful for myself and uh, once again, thankful for the accident. And being mindful and prayerful, and, you know, having those conversations with God and um, often in some movies, you know, you'll see somebody who got incarcerated or they were in a plane wreck or, you know, they're caught out in the middle of nowhere and they make that promise, God, you get me through this, I'm yours. Yeah, right. You know, but how flippant can that be and how false can those words be, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Did, and, you, did you uh, have that conversation? I didn't have that conversation, no. But, you know, I, I just felt such a sense of peace and had a couple interactions with a medical staff person that was there hmm. and from the visitors that came and went. Some we all know, some family, that it was all going to be all right. So you actually had peace. Yeah, I was all right with it. Really? Yeah.
0: That's not what it, I think most people would expect that you would be angry, upset, frustrated, wanting out of here as soon as possible, avoiding people, <laughs> a lot of shame, a lot of guilt.
1: But it wasn't that. No. You know, I had one visitor, uh, total compassion, um, hand on my shoulder, talking with me, praying with me, his hands on the door, and he's walking out of my room and he stops and he turns around and he looks at me and he goes, if this doesn't straighten things out, I'm going to come back and put my foot up your (laughs) bleed. (laughs) and with and with such not so much volume but sternness and in the way he said it just put a lump in my throat yeah you know in this individual great deal of respect um why would he say that to you Maybe he saw the potential. Yeah. Maybe he saw the good. Yeah. Um,
0: he wanted so much for you to be different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, and the, a great um, there were there were great things that came from the visitors that I had in my room. Wendy's uncle came and visited. Well, it happened to be that. He used to live in a state that another friend's son was living in at the time. And then another visitor was a carpenter, or hmm. is a carpenter. Well, Wendy's uncle's a carpenter.
0: Oh, I see. So the connection.
1: So there was all kinds of networking going on, or just fellowship, you hmm. know. And I'm just kind of like a fly on the wall, sort to speak, because they're all getting to know each other and had common interests, and in, They were smiling and laughing, and, you know, I was just happy to be a part of it, you know? And um, the room had cleared out. There was one individual left, and he's just sitting there looking around, and he's kind of like, I don't get this. I'm Mm. like, get what? (laughs) He says, they were here to see you, but yet they were all talking with each other. I met new people, common interests and everything. I go, yeah, I guess that's just the fellowship of it all.
2: Hmm.
1: I kind of want that. Right. And so somebody brought me in uh, a daily bread.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is a devotional, daily yep. devotional. Yeah.
1: And uh, I says, well, here's a way to get started. Really? Handed it to him, and his, his walk uh, has been fruitful and progressing ever since. Wow. Yeah.
0: So there's one part of this we haven't talked about very much except for the officer who showed up, and that is there was a legal consequence to this. Yeah. Do you mind telling everybody what nope. the legal consequence was?
1: Yeah, so um, since it was a dirt bike, it wasn't registered, and um, I was uh, I had to go before the judge, you know, because there was a, a traffic citation with a high BAC, Blood alcohol content, and um, Trooper Guardwood, um, you know, was, he had to do what he had to do, and yeah. you know, I totally owned everything right there at that moment on the on the side of the road, and it led me to sobriety court in Ionia County. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you mention sobriety court in Ionia County, people cringe. Oh. Because it's strict, it's regimented, uh, holds you accountable, and if you waiver from it, you go to jail. Yeah. Simple as that. So it's either go to jail for six months right out of the gate or do sobriety court. Yeah. So sobriety court consisted of 19 months of probation, um, a thing that's called... Uh, breathalyzer little mobile unit you had to do that three times a day for the first two months you missed one of those they came knocking hmm. um several hours of community service like 360 um no driver's license for 90 days um With driving restrictions thereafter, Um, counseling, like three different types, group, one-on-one, and, oh, I guess you could say assessment counseling. Mm -hmm. And um, there was one book that we went through, MRT book, Moral Recognition Therapy, and that book got under my skin quick. Mm, why is that? Well, you know, it was just it 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 broke it broke you down to where everybody was the same. Kind of like going into the military, right, into boot mm. camp. Doesn't matter if you're white or black, pink, yellow. That everybody's the same, and we're all going to start from zero and go on up. And uh, I despise that book so much I wouldn't line a birdcage with it. It was unbelievable. (laughs) That's the worst insult. (laughs) It was unbelievable. And, uh, but, you know, it was one of the best books, study slash class I'd I'd done. It uh, got to the root cause of my consumption uh, of my addictive behavior, the things that had happened to me as a child in the military and to why I was uh, suppressing or slash staying in that liquid medium, and uh, instead of reaching out, um, after the third month of sobriety court, um, I, they told me. But I was—I just felt that you know this is what I do and I need to do, and I'd owned it, and I was kind of like a model student, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was all good, um, except for the MRT book. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the reason it was all good was because there was other men um, my age and younger that had the same past that I did. I see. Plus or minus a couple things, you know, yeah. the military or upbringing or flip-flop, whatever. And, uh, um, you know, you got to give it away in order to keep it, right? And then that help you help me theory. Um, Because you help someone, and then that gives you a a moment in time to reflect on, well, maybe my situation isn't all that grave Hmm. compared to what they had told me on the way to or from class or community service.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, so I knocked it out of the ballpark. You know, it was it, it was good. Um, I did retire. Uh, had a couple paid holidays coming up for Thanksgiving and Christmas. That got me the tally marks I needed. And, um, yeah, so, you know, when you're kind of, Incapacitated, um, and it, it takes you a while to go to and from the bathroom and yeah. what have you, you know because I, I was busted up pretty bad, and it, it gives you time to reflect. Uh, the paperwork was filed for uh, sobriety court roughly two months after the accident. Mm-hmm. There were some other cause and effects on. The loss side also that to where that developed and there was that two month lull. I see. Um, yeah. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. I couldn't make it out of the house. It, it was just so taxing.
0: Mm. Physically.
1: Physically. Yeah. Yeah. Because i was busted up like w- with the reconstructive surgery for the hip, you know, that was a three hour surgery and I lost almost two thirds of volume of my blood. Wow because you know as most people know some people know that you know hip surgeries are just it's a bloody surgery yeah no doubt about it they didn't want to put donated blood back in me for the risk of infection or disease I see and I was healthy enough and they were confident enough in it and with the diet after the surgery um, I made it back pretty fast so I was thankful for that um, you know we We were so fortunate to be here in West Michigan with that medical mile, too. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So the sobriety court was good. Um, Stayed with a couple support groups. um, Made some good friends. Got three of them. We talk weekly. um, If not, see each other weekly. And, yeah, it's a good thing. You know, one of, one of the best moments or things that had happened in my life. So
0: if someone would have seen you and known you three years ago mm-hmm. compared to you now, what would they see as the difference?
1: Well, besides that common phrase, when somebody sees me, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, it's like, where do we start? Um, now it's like you've changed. And, yeah, you know, I have Um, truly a child of God. And, you know, I just, the moments in the morning, sitting still and listening and reading and, you know, not being in a hurry about things and having great conversations with individuals, both male and female, uh, believers, non-believers. Um, I never really had a sense of fear. Uh, physically, repercussions, um maybe scolding was probably my <laughs> biggest fear. And um, you know, because if if the Lord's for you in, in why should you fear other individuals? Mm-hmm. You know, they're just they're just wanting to be a part of something greater than themselves so why not show a little bit of that that we've been shown or that especially i've been shown yeah thank grace yeah you know grace redemption mercy there were a few times um in the month of january when I'm, i was home by myself with the little dog and shout but, out to, shout out to trixie shout out to trixie. she'll never listen to this but <laughs> still yeah this little slipper dog um her and I would fight for a sunbeam on the, on the living room floor. And I can recall half a dozen times to where I would just sob, just, mm. you know, just it's your heartbroken. Yeah, heartbroken. And just in, in wailing too, because of, of the grace and the mercy and being spared and, mm. you know, and I can't waste it.
2: Mm.
1: I can't waste it.
0: Hmm so imagine that someone's listening to this morning afternoon night whenever they're listening to it and there's somebody who is struggling with that hidden thing and they feel just take alcohol for example they're using alcohol sort of in the same way takes the edge off life
1: it's acceptable
0: yep makes life tolerable Yep, makes relationships okay. He got struggles in marriage, struggles with parenting, drank a few, yep. things seem easier. Um, You went through an accident in order for that to change. What would you suggest to the person who's listening? They haven't been in an accident. They're just listening to this and wondering, what could be different?
1: Life. Relationships. Um... You know, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've been through, whether you believe or not. God has a vested interest in you. You know, you can you can fill out some life insurance policy, and when it says uh, re- religious preference, you know, um, just just need to seek someone who they think is. A believer or somebody who is kind and don't be afraid to talk I mean I've come across people who have told me things that make me cringe and leave me a little dark but then I like to say nudged that it was all for his purpose yeah you know because that person's not walking away Load lifted, knowing that they had spoke with somebody or shared with somebody that was going to keep it in confidence. Yeah. And um, whatever little bit of wisdom or dyslexic knowledge that I can give back, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, when you get a grown man who's fifty-two years old sitting in the seat next to you, and you just helped him help his 72-year-old mom put a washer and dryer on the main floor of their 1940s farmhouse so he feels safer for her doing her laundry when she's there by herself and that and he's sobbing in your in your car with you and looks at you wiping tears away and says I don't understand why you're doing this
0: yeah just a kindness
1: and my reply was, I, I'm doing it because I can, I have the knowledge and the time, and I would hope someone would do it for, for me or somebody else that, that I know.
0: Yeah. So thinking about that person who's listening, you're saying, find someone that you can trust and just talk to them. Yeah. And how would you start that conversation? Because I imagine for someone who's been in that spot, they've imagined that conversation a few times and always wondered, how would I start that conversation? How would you start that conversation? You call that person up. You say, hey, can we meet for lunch? What do you say? Because there's a lot of hiddenness to this, right? Yeah. How do you take the the top off the hiddenness so that you just have that conversation?
1: How do you start? To, To ask for help. So if it were me asking you from what I've experienced over the past couple years, if there's a pause after you ask for that help, that's probably not the person to get the help from. I see. And and you really don't want that Hallmark moment either. (laughs) (laughs) You know, where you have that sweet grandma or aunt that says, oh, bless his heart. Yeah. Well, that bless his heart comment is like, there's something wrong with that boy. Um, You want that. Well, what can I do to help? Because... Yeah. But, but sincerely. Yeah, that's sincere, man. That's with, somebody that's been there, done that.
0: With strength of character.
1: Yeah. How can I help? I'm not just going to
0: pacify you. I'm not just going to tell you it's okay. Yeah. I'm here for you. I'm going to help you. And I really want to help you.
1: So you mentioned the, the that's okay. So we're well, setting in group during uh, sobriety court. And some people are going to chuckle. So you... you take a question out of the hat that's passed around, and you read the sentence, and then the person to your right is the person you direct that question, comment, sentence to. And so the spindly little girl sitting to my left uh, a week or so prior, she had a violation in her uh, sobriety court journey and everybody in the group nine of us maybe at the time was saying oh it'll be all right hmm. it'll be all right everybody's saying it'll be all right yeah well it come to me and I looked at her and I go you know it's not all right hmm. you know it's not all right you've been working hard and you let yourself down you feel great disappointment within yourself and not to mention the repercussions for the violation here in sobriety court. Mm. But you know what's going to be all right is that you're going to be a better person for this. I see. You know you made the mistake, you owned it, and you're going to be better for it because you're not going to let it happen again. I see. So they're saying it's all all right and you know it's not. I know it's not. So you're looking... For
0: somebody with the strength of character to hold you accountable while being kind and mm, sympathetic in the right kind of way.
1: Yeah, truly. Yeah. So so we're doing this little exercise in the group. And she looks at me. And she says, or she reads her little sentence. And it says, say something admirable about the person to your right. Is that you? That was me. (laughs) Dude, I don't
0: like attention, right? (laughs) Just the right kind of thing for Myron Palmer.
1: Yeah, but, you know, it was providential. It happened for a reason, you know. It was all just part of his plan. And uh, she looks at me, and she starts tearing up. And she says, three weeks ago, when I had the violation, and everybody else was saying that it was all right, and you said that it wasn't. And you'd wrote that down on a piece of paper and handed it to me. Yeah. She says, When when life throws me a curveball or I think I can't do it, she says, I take that piece of paper from the visor of my car and I read it. She gets up, comes over and gives me a hug. Wow. The counselor almost physically falls out of his chair. Hmm. He's like, She's she's not a toucher or a hugger. Yeah. This is huge. I go, listen, I go, it's not me. Just happy to be a part of it all and to help out any way I can. And, you know, to there's been men in my life and still current men in my life that, you know, that they say it's all right because they know it's going to be all right and that we learn from our mistakes, you know, and... These these trials and tribulations were put through. It's it's just it's it's for His glory. You know what better person to have come alongside you than somebody who's been there done
2: that. Yeah.
1: You know and who's not going to be judgmental. A lot of these people, myself included, the reason we have these addictive behaviors or live in that liquid medium is because we tried to get out of it once before, and and had asked for help. Got help, but it came with a great consequences. I see. What, what dark consequences.
0: In the relationship.
1: In the relationship. So why put that back out there again if I it's see. gonna get stomped on or violated or thrown to the side like a piece of trash or dirty laundry?
0: So you asked for help, you got help, but with a heavy dose of shame and not enough help to actually change.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: So let me ask you a couple more questions. Um, One of them has to do with your future. So you're a relatively young retiree. Is it funny to say that you're still in good health? (laughs) Um, You're one of the healthiest people I know. So what does the future look like for you? So if I could put it in sort of technical language, you have this experience now, this life with this big change that happened. How do you steward and use that well going forward? What does that look like for you? any idea
1: yeah i'm fairly healthy um don't don't let the exterior fool you Hmm. there there's some damaged goods underneath um yeah you know i'm very fortunate to to have retired at 54 and a half and thankful for the accident because it's put me in a place to where i can show that grace and mercy to others Mm. um it's a little hard to get out of retirement when you go 60 miles an hour 60 hours a week to zero in the matter of 24 hours Mm. and then you have a problem of self-worth am i am i pulling my own weight you know because growing up You know, you had chores, and uh, I was the oldest of five in a family that was below blue collar. You know, and if we didn't harvest a deer or if we lost a hog, you know, that showed on the dinner table. And... so. I took on too much the first year, or the first summer, um, once I became more physical and sure-footed, and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I I had a steady job since the age of 14, and I'm like, what am I doing? I don't think this is it. I don't think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, so... I dropped those commitments, respectfully, cordially, and uh, just sat and was still and mindful and prayful about it. And so now I volunteer three, four days a week, Uh, still have those connections with uh, Sobriety Court, Mm -hmm. with the judge of Sobriety Court. Never would have thought that. And... Um, just coming alongside some good folks or folks with great potential that are just wayward lost and broken and um, yeah, you know it just it it really starts in the morning that that quiet time that that time with the book that time just setting and being still and knowing you yeah. know um, and and go where I'm nudged and you know, get the ick feeling, then there's probably a good reason I got the ick feeling. You know.
0: So you're open to helping people who are struggling through what you've lived through.
1: Yeah, but you know, it's not me seeking. It's 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 just I'm going where I'm called to go. Yeah.
0: So where those people come across your path.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, last question for you, and this could be as long or short as you want, but we have talked about your wife your sons a little bit, a couple of times. Um, I'll just put it this way. Your wife may be sort of the hero of this story in that, uh, you know, she has lived through this whole thing with you. Is there anything you want to say to her or your, your sons before we're finished? You know, I'm just thankful for
1: them. Um, you know, bless their hearts, um, we're a good family, uh, you know, we, we have our, our baggage too, still to the day, um, you know, I think about some of the things our, our friends and family have been through, uh, some of the loss, um, it's all for his glory. And, yeah, I just love them all. You know, I I love our Redeemer family. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the one God's, I love those who God puts in my path when I'm out and about. You know, my heart goes out for one of my sons. Um in various ways
2: yeah
1: but I'm a fortunate man um just happy to be a part of it all and and go where I'm I'm nudged to or led to and you know yeah and and have the skill set and the compassion as a believer to come alongside others
2: yeah,
1: you know. Yeah. And, and, and it's great to where, through different ministries or volunteering, both Wendy and I, that um, we have that. We, yeah. we have that gift. We have, you know, just reflect and, and give what's been given to us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm thankful, Myron, that you've taken almost an hour now to talk about that. Because in um, as much as you desire that to be helpful and useful to other people. Um, you've been doing that over the last hour, probably in ways that, that we don't even realize.
1: We so, may never know. Them.
0: That's right. That's yeah. right. So you've gone through an awful lot in the last number of years. And uh, thank you for sharing those uh, those experiences and thoughts with us. And uh, for everyone else on Ordinary Lies, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Myron. You bet. Happy to be a part of it all.